thank you for your patience. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to do a work in our heart. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for yet another time to come together. Come together and offer ourselves to you, asking you to break our hearts, to show us, Lord, where we fall short. Lord, not because you're a God of guilt, but because you're a God of love and mercy who wants more for us, who wants growth for us, who wants good things for us. Lord, that we come here and ask you to grow us and teach, teach us. May all the words we discuss tonight be edifying and be of your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a few moments at the end last week, Chris threw up the slide for me of contentment. We talked about contentment and how contentment is the next step to identifying and separating ourselves from the love of money and the love and the covetedness of the things of this world. And I'd mentioned, I really like the idea of this being a circle way better. I just, I'm not graphically knowledgeable enough to know how to do that, but... This is a circle. This is something that's always going on between worshiping God and, and having contentment and trusting God. We need to be trusting God to have contentment. We trust God by wor uh, uh, worshiping Him and back and forth. It's a full circle. Contentment is not something that we just feel inside of us. It's not a matter, state of mind. The world loves to tell us that we can achieve contentment if we just do this. But it's not a state of mind, it's a state of the heart. Contentment of the heart comes directly from God. By putting God first and worshiping Him in our daily lives, it's not something we achieve and we've done it and we're there. Part of contentment mentioned was accepting our lot for what God's given us in this life. A lot, a little, heartache, tough times, years of years of success, but being alert and aware to the fact that all of that is a gift and good things from God, knowing that all things that we have are from God and therefore we can be content. Contentment comes from being thankful always. The Bible is very clear that we're supposed to give thanks always, praising God always, hence worshiping God. That brings contentment. We're supposed to enjoy all the things. This isn't, a, this isn't a thing of we need to get rid of everything that we have or, or shame ourselves because of what we have. But God tells us we're to enjoy the things that we have. But we're going to enjoy them in a perspective that they all come from God and that they don't belong to us. I really believe that a major factor in our lives and our hearts that causes us to love money or to love the things in our lives and hold on to those things is that if we acknowledge that they're God's and we acknowledge that they don't belong to us, then we'll lose control. I know many of us deal with that issue of being in control, either driving a car, whether it's a situation at work, That's one of, uh, I've had the opportunity to take a lot of people flying in small airplanes that haven't ever been able to fly. And 
that's probably the number one concern most people have is I'm not flying this. I'm, that's why I'm scared of it. I don't feel everything we're doing, the wind's throwing us around. When you, small, when you fly a small aircraft, you're at the mercy of the wind. You're, it's like just the great above flying a kite. Wherever the wind blows that day, it's going to send you that way. And, uh, and many people have told me, I don't like being that out of, what they feel like is out of control. We struggle with control. And trusting God means giving Him control. The power and ability to enjoy the things that God has given us is not a formula. It's not a self-help book. It's a gift from God. So if you don't have that, that's something we can only get from God. We get from seeking God. God's very clear in His promises to us throughout the Bible. It comes to those who seek Him comes to him those who seek him and I love I long a lot of t- long time thought you know I've been seeking Christ of course I'm a believer I'm a Christian but God wants it at a much higher level of seeking him a daily basis of seeking him it seems like such simple common sense and we've heard it here at church so many times the importance of seeking him daily and this topic we're discussing is just one aspect that we can we can be freed from by seeking him and trusting him seeking god doesn't come easy it takes it takes work i'm constantly fighting in my own life on how and when to get that quiet time most of you met my three little ones some of us have more little ones it's hard to get quiet time it's either really early really late and or I have to wrangle them up somehow to be quiet long enough. And trust me, I've used it as an excuse for a lot of years. And I've missed out on, on things that God has given me because we find reasons, reasons that are worldly excuses and the things that we love and we do as excuses why I didn't have time. And so if we're missing out and struggling with any of the blessings we're talking about tonight, it's because... We haven't made that time to seek God for it. Seems like such a simple formula, but it does take work. It takes patience. It, it takes effort. No different than our relationship here. It takes effort to cultivate a relationship with, with Christ and to improve that relationship. He says He'll give us everything if we just ask and seek Him. And I know it's true in my life that I've failed at asking and seeking. I've made a lot of excuses for it. I have to constantly remember that God came to this world to rescue us, to give us great things, to give us life. That includes contentment. But we're so carnal in flesh and we can't help it. We have to work. We have, we, we have all these things that are constantly in front of our eyes to distract us and take the place of our time and our thoughts that are supposed to be towards God. One of the biggest lies I keep hearing as I've, I've been researching this and, and re- reading up what the world throws out there about contentment, one of the biggest lies I know that we consume and take in is that obtaining contentment just comes by changing something, changing our circumstances, changing our job. And, you know, I just need a new job. Changing If I just got my raise, new salary, 
Maybe I just need to get out of Fernley and then start over somewhere else, then it'll be better. All you guys know me and know all my faults, and if I just go to a new town, and unfortunately the world even encourages new relationships. You just find yourself a new spouse, find yourself a new relationship, then contentment comes. And it's all lies. There are few signs that stick out to me in our lives as the signs of the lack of contentment in our lives. And as I made up my own list, I said, you know what? Here's my list of what I believe the lack of contentment looks like. And then I went to the Bible, which I don't do enough. But one, I just listed out four here. The signs in our lives, the lack of contentment can be anxiety. Matthew 6, Jesus speaking to everybody, tells them, hey, I take care of the, the lilies, the birds. Why do you worry about anything else? Why do you worry about food and clothing? He tells him, just seek me. Classic passage. Seek me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I believe. Anxiety, we worry about these things. I don't know how many of you right now are sitting worried about what you got to do at work tomorrow. Or what your boss is going to say tomorrow. I struggle all weekend. I, I try and make it a pretty hard rule. I was just talking with um, uh, Marilyn here uh, about making Sunday a day in which I separate all work items at my house. Work parks in front of my yard and my truck and works in my office and works everywhere else, works in my email. Thank you, by the way. We have all sorts of reasons to have anxiety. And our anxiety comes by focusing on those items instead of making a point to focus on God and the thoughts and the things of God. Another sign of lack of contentment is grumbling. Grumbling, complaining, that's pretty easy to spot out. 1 Corinthians 10.10 says grumbling and murmuring destroys you, destroys your relationship with God. I think we're all pretty susceptible to complaining about our daily problems. This one didn't strike me right away, but the lack of contentment in our lives breeds jealousy. We're not content with what we have. We want more. We're jealous for those who have more. We're jealous for our, um, our boss. We're jealous over our neighbors. James 3.16 is one I came across. For where there is envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And when I saw every evil work, I was like, that sounds a lot like the root of every, all evils, the root of all evil, the love of money. If there's envy and strife in your life, confusion and every evil work, hiding behind the corner, like, wow, that sounds a lot like the love of money. And then, of course, what I think seems very obvious to me is, is greed. We can be greedy. And we read Hebrews 13, 5 last week, and it said, let your conversation or we, your character, who you are, be without covetousness. Greed can be there without us even really thinking about it, and it's, sometimes greed's been there so long, it's just become part of who we are in our conversation, and now it's 
there and we don't know it. I challenged you last week to please take some time to, to go to God and ask Him to show you, show these things because of this. What are these things that are hiding in our lives? These things that we've been living with and, and going along and doing so long and loving and protecting the things of this world in our lives and it's separated us and it's, and it's taken us away from our relationship with God and it's been so slow. Uh, it's been a long, slow process and we don't even know it. We're missing out. We're missing out. My, the, my, the whole focus here is we're missing out on the, on the blessings of God by not taking the time to seek God, to ask Him to break us. It's so easy to sit here and hear a message and say, oh yeah, 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 I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with that. I've done it many Sundays. Go home, well, that was a good message, but that, that's not my problem. I'll wait till next week, see what He says then. No? I, shame on me. God says, seek me. Maybe contentment, maybe contentment looks less like going home on Sunday evening saying, whew, that was a good day at church, good messages. And immediately we put away our Bible and we, we pick up our thoughts about tomorrow and we start focusing on, well, I got things to worry about this week and I, and I start thinking of everything I've got to do with my job and letting our, our thoughts now be consumed with our worldly occupation. When maybe contentment looks more like going home Sunday night and maybe before we put away our Bible, we pray to God and we ask Him to be in our week. We ask Him to show up in our week. We, ask to, we seek Him to be in our work week. And we get up Monday morning and we realize even though you have to go to a worldly occupation, you have to do certain things, you know that God's already promised to get you through these days. Why do we have to focus on it? Why do we have to spend so much thought time? Hey, God's already said He's going to get me through these days. Why do we spend so much time thinking about it, worrying about it? Maybe you can narrow your focus to searching for God throughout those days instead of having that anxiety about what you have to do. How can you be a shining light? Share some encouraging words or edifying words to those you run into. Reach out to somebody. It's not always coworkers. We run into people all throughout the week. Why can't our minds just be preoccupied with the things of God and seeking Him? And as I go through my work day, where can I find God in this day? Where can I put God in this day? Instead, I'm worried it's noon. I know I got to do this next. I got to get home. Supposed to go grocery shopping at later, and and we let these little tiny things preoccupy our minds instead of seeking God. Maybe I'm over spiritualizing things here, but maybe that's just our excuse on us not wanting to miss out on the things of this world and what we want and what we want to achieve here and own here. I know it's been. I, I, won't, I know I won't even go there. I just know that America has pushed so much for us to achieve, achieve. You're not successful until you achieve. That we it just fills our minds when our minds are supposed to be filled with things of God. How do we balance that? 
these things have been weighing heavy on me and I want to share this with you and I hope that you guys really do. I just, for me, this timing seems perfect going into revival because revival is really about that, about coming every day and hearing, hearing a, probably a strong message about the state of our hearts and spending a week asking God to really move and change us and work in our lives. And I feel like that's what the last three weeks have been really for me and I hope for you. And, and I hope you walk away and are able to spend some time seeking God and thinking about these things. So that was my quick intro. Now we can uh, move on to the book. Lesson 11. We made it. We made it. I want to thank you guys and congratulate you guys on uh, coming along with me. These have been exactly the baby steps that my heart's needed to go through this and to take the time I think is necessary. And I don't know how many verses are in 119, but it's going to take you a long time to get through 119 at that pace. It makes me feel a whole lot better. This is only going to take six months. It really does. But if we, if we need to get a better understanding on how powerful and destructive the love of money is in our lives and with our relationship with God. So we finally made it. Page 224, Lesson 11. I would like, if you guys help me out, I'd like to see James 117 coming up, Psalms 24.1, Psalms 145. If we get somebody, we'll follow along with protocol here in it. Get some help reading those, please, in just a moment. We started a few weeks ago talking about how God is all about relationships and how much He desires to have a better relationship with us. And I hope it's become clear that the biggest matter hindering us from having a better relationship with God is us. It's us. It's not the circumstances around us. It's our focus. The specific issue we've been discussing, of course, is the love of money and how it does exist in our hearts. The love or covetousness of the things of this world, the desire for the things of the world. We want more money. We want more things. I hope we got it out of the way in the last two weeks. It's in your heart. Whether big or small, that's between you and God, but it's in your heart and it's there and it's getting in the way of your relationship with God. So we finally arrived to the chapter. This is actually, I feel this is the pinnacle of of all the nights I'm going to be up here. I feel like this is the pinnacle, the uh, of all my thoughts and the study of this subject. So we're going to start here, lesson 11, page 224. God provides everything we have. Every good gift in our lives comes from the hand of God. Would someone please read James 1:17? Perfect. Praise God. We have a God that gives out good things. We already know this. So many of us have heard this over and over again. Let's take time today. Let's take time every day to thank Him. We're talking about being content with our lot of whatever little bit it is. It's from God. It's a good gift. Everything comes from Him. Makes it that much easier to praise Him and thank Him all the time. So this leads us to three truths that are absolutely crucial for understanding how a Christian should view their finances. Here it is, the first blank of chapter 11. 
We made it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I really do. I feel like this is the big one. This is the big one right here. The first blank, I'll go ahead and read it. God is the owner of all. God is the owner of all. As the creator, God is also the owner of everything. He created it. He is the owner of everything. What we have comes from him. And I've been trying my hardest to spend so much more time focusing on that. I think John's not here tonight, but I took him flying several months ago. And this is how much I love it. We took off. We got airborne. And and I I told him at a point we were up at a safe spot. And I said, we can go ahead and chat. And, you know, what do you think? Oh, yeah, it's good. I said, I love this. I love and praise God every time I go into the sky that he made the elements in such a way that we have the ability to create machines that will physically lift us into the air. He could have made it so the elements wouldn't do that. It's the little things I like. It's the little things you like. God made it for you. It's a good gift. It's from it's from God. He created it. He is the owner of all things. Would someone please read Psalms 24.1? Thank you. I'm going to add Psalms. This is not in the book, but I'm going to add Psalms 50, verse 10 and 11. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. It is God who provides for our needs. It is God who created it. It is God who owns it. Would someone please read Psalms 145, 15, 16? God gives it all to everybody. I'm going to add another one here. Psalms 104, 24. Oh, Lord. Let's see if it makes this right. Psalms 104. Oh, Lord, how manifold are thy works and wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is the great and wide seed wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. Everything, everything. And I, and John and I had a short conversation about that. He's like, I never thought about the elements. Elements. I'm like, I'm thankful God made it that way. I couldn't be here if it wasn't that way. And I love it and enjoy it. So I think it's fairly clear here to say that God is the owner of all. That everything belongs to the Lord. This is being the pinnacle point of this chapter, I believe, that if we don't wrap our minds around the fact that God owns this, if we, if we don't feel like we're going to be able to study this and figure this out, we can close this book up and we can come back another day because the rest of this chapter is all based on the fact that God owns everything. God belongs. He gave you all the things you have, all the things that are good, but He is the owner of all things. And until we can wrap our minds around that and understand that and get that perspective to separate ourselves from all these things, that God is the owner, a lot of this after, after this section here is, might be tough to, tough to swallow, tough to handle. Can I yes, please. <clears throat> One of the obvious 
obstacles that I had to overcome early in my Christian life is after we were married, whenever uh, a vehicle would break down or something would go wrong, I had to fix it. But when I realized that all that belongs to God, when it breaks down, it's not my problem. I am so glad that you shared that. That is something we were just talking about working on cars this last week. God's already determined how long my car is going to run and service me. I do my best to take care of it. I change the oil, check the brakes. I don't know what all else we did that day. I had some help here. But other than that, we couldn't figure out some electrical problems on it. We tried. We put our effort forward. We fixed it. But God already knows. He blessed me with that vehicle. He knows how long it's going to be. And if it dies tomorrow, God already knew that because I get, I've given it to Him. There is a freedom to knowing that God owns all of my possessions that are currently in my possession. There is a freedom in knowing that God is the owner of all things. And we're going to focus on this for a few minutes here. Because it is that important that until we separate ourselves from the things of this world and we separate the things that we call ours, that are are in our possession, until we separate ourselves from that, it's going to be a stumbling block to growing our relationship past this point. How many of you woke up this morning with one of your first thoughts? I wonder if Lawrence's furnace ran all night or broke down. How many of you started out your vehicle this morning and said, oh, I wonder if Lawrence's car started this morning? No, of course you didn't. You might have got up this morning and said, oh, I hope my car starts one more day. You might have got up this morning and worried about something broken in your house. My point being is there's a difference between how we treat things we own and how things that we don't own. You don't own my vehicle. It's not in your possession. You don't worry about it. You don't have to take care of the house that God gave me, so you don't think about it. But those things that you believe and feel that are yours and you own, you spend a lot more time thinking about. You have a different perspective on those items. But if I left this weekend and I said, hey, would you go stay at my house and take care of the house and make sure the furnace runs and and look after it for me and the water pipe bursts. I know you're going to be faithful. You're going to get some help in there. You're going to turn off the water. You're going to take care of it. And it's going to be a moment of panic maybe, but you're really not that worried about it. You took care of the situation for me, but you know I'm coming back and I'm going to have to fix it. It's not on you. You walk away, you go home and say, sorry, Lawrence, it really stinks. But you're not attached to it. You don't feel that burden of the ownership of it. And too much in our lives, we take on the ownership of things that belong to God and it burdens us down. Instead of walking away from it and knowing, hey, I took care of it, I'll take care of these things, but God owns it. It is His, and it relieves you of this burden. It relieves you of real anxiety. It, this is something that I've been blessed with for a while. And 
and, and feeling this freedom. And I want to share it with you tonight, and I want to tell you about it so that if even if it's not your freedom tonight, that you will seek it and you will find this freedom and understanding that God owns everything. You merely are a caretaker. And like I would return and have to fix my own pipes, God's right there. He's going to take care of it. It's not on you. I've mentioned this to pastor. I haven't told but a few close friends. If you... Uh, I want to backtrack here a little bit, tell you a story. Sometimes in our lives, we miss out on the blessings of giving praise to God. I love that we do testimonies on Sunday nights. And even though some of them may make me laugh, I love that you guys share every little thing and give God glory and give Him the credit for it. Because it is Him that gave you those good things, that blessed you with those circumstances. And unfortunately, I'll have to say I've missed out on a few of those by not sharing, sharing some blessings in my life. And tonight, for the first time, I did warn my wife, who's not here, that I was going to share this publicly. But I want to tell you a story of a white pickup truck. I have a white pickup truck. God gave it to me, just like all the other vehicles that I have. God gave it to me to, to care for, but this one came to me kind of uniquely. This vehicle came from an estate sale from the county. I'll make this story as short as possible because it was over a year's worth of time. A man that I knew of, was not extremely close friends with, but I knew of him, family friend, distant family friend through my father, passed away. Him and his wife passed away and left things behind, and he had this pickup truck. And I knew the history on it, and I knew how he took care of it and what he did with it. And, oh, I always thought, you know, any of you have seen, my, I've been around long enough, you've probably seen my old brown truck I drive. We affectionately call it Brownie. It's a 1990 pickup. And I say, God blessing it, it drives, keeps driving. And if it dies tomorrow, then God will give me a new one. But I've been driving this old pickup for several years. It was passed down to me through the family. My grandfather had bought this pickup brand new back in 1990, and I've been driving it for more than a decade. But I was thinking, you know, I've got to be smart here. I need to start looking for another truck. A 32-year-old Ford pickup is going to die one day. And I saw that pickup. I knew about the man who, who passed away, and we inquired with the county, oh, it's going to take months of tape and everything else, and it did. And a year later, the man who manages from the county calls up and says, hey, are you still interested in this? Yes, I'm interested in the truck. I'd like to have the truck. Well, the truck was bought brand new, driven, specced out at the Ford dealer, driven straight to a cab over camper company and had a cab over camper, the biggest one you could buy. Literally the biggest one you could buy was put on top of this truck and that's where it sat forever. So the man at the county says, hey, if you're going to take the truck, I want to know how much you'll pay for it, but you have to take the camper. I don't want the camper. I just want the truck. He said, well, how much, you know, how much for it? I, you need to take that. I, I don't want the camper. He says, not only that, not only you have to take the camper, but you have to take a 1990 minivan, 1990 Ford minivan with it, the whole package. You need to take the whole package off my hands. I can't sell this in pieces. And he said, how much? Well, I prayed about it for 
for a day or two and I got back to him and I said, well, I think how about $10,000. That's all I can come up with in a month. He's, he gave me a deadline. I can come up with $10,000. And I figured, you know, I can sell that. I'll throw that camper on online and we'll sell it and maybe three to $5,000. Maybe I can get this truck, this newer truck for five, $6,000 net to me. And I called him and told him $10,000. I'll take the whole, if, you know, for the whole package. He called me back two hours later, Dill. He's like, actually, I need you to go get the truck. I need you, we're gonna write it up. $10,500 is what you're paying me. You go pick up the vehicles, get them for me. And then after this deal's done, we'll write you a check for $500 for taking the vehicles from us. So I ultimately would pay $10,000. So I immediately went and got these vehicles. I don't have the title to them. I don't, I don't have all, except for a written contract from the, from the county. And I bring them home and I got 30 days to come up with the money and I've planned on taking the full 30 days. I said, well, the, the camper doesn't need a title. I'll go ahead and sell that. I don't know how much it's worth. I did a quick internet search and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked what it sell for. Well, I'll give it a shot. Prayed about it, God. I'm just going to throw it up here. I'm not trying to be greedy. I'm not doing anything else. I'm going to throw it up online and I'm going to ask this. And whatever someone offers me, God gave that to me. I'm taking it. I put it up for sale for $11,500. I woke up the next morning. I had eight people begging me to come get it. Within 36 hours, it was off. The camper was sold for $11,500, and I had cash in hand to go buy the pickup and the minivan and the and the camper. And I, to this day, am shocked. I'm shocked, and I didn't want to even tell anybody because I thought, so my neighbor's going to congratulate me. They're all excited seeing it parked in front of my yard. They're going to congratulate. Oh, you're so Willin and Dylan. I had nothing to do with this. I had no idea. Not only that, but I get a phone call that week. So someone says, hey, I know this other family that's struggling. They could use a van. They could use a small car. Would you, you know, maybe they could, you could make a deal with them. We took it to them. We gave them the van. God bless me so much. I netted $1,000 off that truck in my pocket. Now, of course, I had to do things to it and spend money on it and new battery and maintenance and everything else, but God gave me a truck of no dealings of mine, and I've been, I've been sitting on that blessing for almost eight months, a year, worried about, ah, what will people think? I want to encourage you guys to give God the credit for everything in your life. Everything you have is from Him. He blessed you, and I love that we sit around and we share those stories. There's, a flip, there's another story of that white truck that goes along with the freedom that even though God gave me this truck, I know it belongs to God. And this story came along a few months ago that just exposed the freedom I have and the fact that God owns that truck. I got up one morning. I went out to go to work. It was still dark. I can't remember. Super early in the morning. And... Just black outside, and I jump in, and ready to go, and I fire that truck, and it sounded like a tank. Startled me, I turned it off. Oh no, what happened? I blew a muffler or something? Started one more time. Yep, something's wrong. Turned it off. Got out, did a quick evaluation. Someone had come to my house in my driveway and stole my catalytic converter. So I cut it right out. I felt the punch to the gut. Oh man, okay, well, I didn't think about it. 
I went inside. All oh, my family's still asleep. I didn't even tell my wife. Went inside, got the keys to another vehicle, went to work. Praise God, I had another vehicle. Went to work and was able to go along. And, and long story short, it took over a month to be able to get a catalytic converter to replace that. But I went to work that day. It wasn't until that night I got home to tell my wife the story. You won't believe it. Someone stole the catalytic converter out of the truck sitting in the driveway. Oh, that stinks. I really did. I felt about this bad because I knew God would take care of it. I didn't know. I wasn't expecting to spend the $1,200. The insurance company wasn't going to cover it. I have to spend $1,200 for a new exhaust system. But I wasn't worried about it that day. God had already given me another vehicle. I was taken care of. I don't know why that happened to me. But I will tell you what the freedom that I have of God owning that did to me. That night, when saying our family prayers, we get together at night and it's a simple prayer of just thankfulness and giving God the glory of the day. We were sitting around praying, giving thanks for just being, getting God getting us through the day. I couldn't help as we're giving thanks for all the things that are going through the day. Oh, yeah, I got the catalytic converter on the truck today. And at that moment, I didn't even think about asking God, Oh, God, give me the money. How am I going to get it? Where is it going to come from? The truth is, my heart was broken. Not over the truck, but my heart immediately went to the fact that somebody stole my catalytic converter. And that person is most definitely living outside the love of God. Probably not saved. Probably has a really bad reason why they're out stealing catalytic converters. And I physically went to my knees and I started praying for the salvation of this person that stole my catalytic converter. And to this day, it's been several months, I still occasionally pray for them. They come across my mind and just studying this, I was recently praying for them again yesterday. Because God came to this world that His love would be shared and that all people would be saved. And all these things that we own get in the way of that. But praise God, I live with the freedom of not owning my vehicles. And I know God will take care of me. And that allowed me, I, off the top of my head, with Galatians 13, or, or 5.13, God says He came to give us liberty. Liberty, freedom, not for the occasions of this world, but so that we would be free to love and serve each other. And that's what I felt at that moment. I felt I was free to pray for that person. That God loves that person. They're so broken that they're out stealing catalytic converters. If you get nothing out of that, that's just the freedom I'm living in because God owns my vehicles, not me. He worries about that. I want you guys to be there. I so want you to be there. Now, I know there's a lot more than just vehicles out there. And I know a lot of you say, well, Lawrence, what about everything else we have? What about the work I've done all my life? There's a lot of retired folks here, and there's a lot of us still working, going to work every day. You know, God gave me that. God gave me that job. A lot of you have some 
pretty amazing stories and the careers you've had and where you've been and and some of us still have to go to work every day and punch the clock and hey God gave me that isn't that you know, we, and because God gave me that isn't it somewhat mine how about Lawrence what about the fact that I put in the effort to go to work every day what about the fact Lawrence that I'm the one that's responsible enough to get up and go. I'm not like some of those other workers out there who rarely show up. I'm the one who gets up every day and goes to work. I'm the one who's paid the price for all those hours and years. Your body hurts. You're broken. Maybe you're disabled from your career. Maybe you've given up vacations because you got to go to work and You've given up a lot, and maybe you've even been a good Christian, you know, good Christian there, and you've shared a good, kind word, and you've been a hard worker, been a good example. And Lawrence, God's given me that. Therefore, that itty bitty paycheck I get belongs to me, doesn't it? I'm telling you, no matter what you get in retirement or, or your paychecks, no matter the amount, it's itty bitty because it can all be gone tomorrow. Don't I own that? Come on, Lawrence. God gave me that ability. He gave me that work. That's mine. I can, you know, He wants me to enjoy it. I'll do what I want with it. I say, you forgot that God gave you the breath to get up that day. I say, you forgot that God gave you the health to be able to go and do those tasks that day. We forget that God provided the means for you to get to work that day. And assuming most of us are already sitting here, you forget that God blessed you with a safety return home again to give you another day, to give you more love so you can do it again. God's the one who gave you the love in your heart, His love to share with a co-worker. Everything that we seem to claim is our own we can turn right around. God gave it to us. God gave it to us. Why? How dare we claim any of it? I say our paychecks belong squarely to Him. And God have mercy. I'm so glad He's a God of forgiveness and starts over because I have needed that in my life in this subject. I'm so thankful that you put me on the spot to be here to study this. And I want, I want to share so much that there with you guys that at least arouse your curiosity a little bit to go and seek God for the freedom that exists when nothing in this world other than Him matters. I am so far from that. I, I see that every day. God gives, God gives, God gives. I don't want to be at this one spot where God stops giving, and that's at the end when He gives us what we rightfully deserve. For those of us who haven't, haven't decided to trust in Him, when He gives us eternal damnation, that day He stops giving good things. Everything before then, God gives, and He gives. And th- praise God, He's given me salvation. I feel like the way we do with our children, we tell them over and over and over again, say please, say thank you, say please, say thank you. Over and over again. Why do we do that? Because they don't remember. We have to remind them. I think even as adults, we need to go around telling ourselves over and over again, God gives, God gives, God gives. Look at that, God gave. God gives. 
I happen to be involved in looking at the finances of this church. It doesn't matter who gave it, where it came from. God gave it. God gave it. And the giving of this church, although it comes directly from God, it does reflect all of our hearts. If we can't wrap our minds around the fact that God is the owner of all things, it's just going to cause us more strife. It's going to cause us more problems. There are problems in our lives. We pointed out a few examples of lack of contentment in our lives. And there's, I think there's the same signs for the fact when we own, we take ownership of things in our lives. There's anxiety. There's bitterness. There's jealousy. And I challenge anybody that if these things exist in our home, that we pray to God and ask, to show us where the love of money is, the love of things. I don't know how else to say it, 